Michael Erdman, Jeff Zimfer, welcome to Mortgage Marketing Radio. Hey, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, you know, I've been waiting a while to actually uh, try and get you on the phone. You're a busy guy, and uh, for good reason. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile here, and uh, I love the summary. It says, you teach busy professionals how to generate repeat and referral business using social media marketing and technology automation. You think that's big today? You know what? It's interesting. Um, I, yeah, I've always been a fan of technology, and, uh, you know, even through the course of my uh, in the real estate and mortgage industry, uh, I, I was always into using technology to be able to streamline my own business. And so over the last five years when we first uh, took the opportunity with uh, content marketing and how that might be applicable to especially driving uh, repeat and referral business, um, you know, interestingly enough, I thought maybe we were late to the party five years ago, but it's just everything has continue to move towards making it more and more valuable as a way to communicate the way people have bought into social media and continue to use that as a way to communicate with each other. Uh, but additionally, you know, even things like Google changing their algorithms to really focus on good quality content uh, have really gone to, you know, point to even today how much even more important it is than it was five years ago when we started. Yeah, that's a great point, and I think anybody listening to this right now would probably uh, agree, right? The one thing about technology is constant change, and that's one of the challenges of it is that the, the, you know, the, the little white bouncing ball is always moving about you know, what to do, how to adjust to these different platforms like Facebook, Google, et cetera, that are always making changes. So um, you know, uh, to your point about, hey, you, know, you thought you were late to the game five years ago, well, well heck, you know six months or a year from now, things are going to be even more different. So people need you, you know, I think, um, no matter what time or what year it is that they're actually listening to this. So, um, you know, before we get into kind of the meat of, right, technology, uh, building a repeat and referral business using social media marketing, which obviously is a very important topic in anybody's overall platform, um, it's always useful, I think, when somebody's listening, right, to uh, somebody presenting information to get that quick background or so. You have a very interesting background. You know, I call it uh, going from uh, the Army, boots on the ground, to actually being an origin a loan originator now, obviously an entrepreneur, with you are the founder, uh, chief executive officer of MySmartBlog.com. But how did you get to where you are today? What is that long and winding road? Uh, you know, mostly just showing up. I mean, that's uh, at the end of the day, they, what there was that old that saying out there, and I don't know the exact quote, but it's like 90% success is just showing up. And uh, I think that's relevant for me. You know, starting out, uh, like you said, I started out right out of high school, decided I wanted to go into the Army to have a way to pay for college and spend a couple of years in the infantry over in Germany during Desert Storm. And so that was, uh, you know, a lot of that, that, that model is you just got to uh, toe the line and uh, show up mm. every day and do the work. And um, that set a good foundation for me moving forward. Uh, <laughs> so enjoyed the time living in Europe and uh, ended up going to school, University of Oregon, and uh, graduated there uh, with a degree in political science, which I've never actually used in any part of my uh, career. But it was a good accomplishment, and I think that's – when I talk to my kids, that's what I tell them is, hey, go for the experience. It's a lot of fun. You enjoy yourself. You're able to learn some things, and um, it's a great confidence builder, not to mention a decent resume item if you, uh, if you intend to, to pass your resume out to other people to get hired. Um, you know, I've, that's a great transition for me. I ended up, you know, finding out for myself that uh, – 
that I was much better off doing my own thing and, and being willing to take a little risk starting my own businesses. And uh, even for – I know we're catering a lot. In the, we're obviously focused on the mortgage industry, which was my background. But, you know, I even looked at my experience in the mortgage industry as a 100% commission loan officer. You know, I always owned my own business. Even though I might be hanging my license with another company, it was up to me to go out and, and show up every day to create and make things happen. And uh, I, I really found that, for me, that was the right environment. Um, moved on, started my own mortgage company, did that for 10 years, and, uh, and, and really enjoyed the industry. So, so much flexibility, great income opportunity, um, as long as you're willing to do the work and be innovative and separate yourself from the competition. And, of course, uh, five years ago, uh, you know, I found over, over time, as Jeff, as you know from my past, I had another technology company that was focused in real estate uh, marketing that tied together transaction teams, uh, just like the teams of guys like Brian Buffini and Joe Stumpf in their coaching programs. Um, that was my first experience with technology along with the real estate and mortgage space and uh, decided to transition full-time to technology uh, just over five years ago when I started my smart block. So it has been a process, but like you said, I think part of it is just being willing to take risk, being willing to uh, to show up every day and, and sometimes go through the difficulties of stubbing your toe. You know, they try things mm-hmm. and things don't work and you get laughed at and people tell you, it'll, you know, it'll never work. Uh, that definitely started when I started my smart blog. People would tell me there's there was I, I talk about in the social media elite people that said that you know in order for it to be effective you have to do it all yourself. They told me you know your concept will never work. It'll never it'll never work. Well, five years later we're you know have helped thousands of people all over the country do uh, their daily content marketing work and uh, and proven that it does work. So it's a nice hmm. place to be. Yeah. So what do you think? What lessons or what disciplines came out of your time? How many years did you spend in the Army? Just two in active duty, and then I was three years in the National Guard after that. So can you look back on that and extrapolate anything from your training, learning, discipline, uh, boot camp, whatever, you know, takeaways from that that still carry through to you today for – whether it's, you know, as you said, getting up and dusting yourself off or executing on what you know needs to be done. Is there anything, any, you know, kind of theme or thread still run through for you on that? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And I'm, you know, when you first asked, I was almost nervous because I was like, oh, what do I remember? But, you know, there is one really important concept that um, didn't make sense to me as an 18, 19-year-old kid when I was in the military <laughs> as much um, because again, I, I sometimes had trouble with um, getting direction from people who, you know, were my superiors. In the military, of course, it's like, you, you know, you do whatever they say, no matter if you believe them or not. And right. uh, so I had some challenges with that. But I was—I actually got in a position. I was driving for a uh, battalion executive officer for about a year, and uh, so you know, you know, moving up the ranks of uh, the officer ranks. And again, I was at the time 19 years old. Uh, uh, PFC in the Army, and um, so I was learning a lot from him, just kind of life, just life lessons. And at one point, you know, I, I also, also have a, this habit of questioning the status quo, questioning why we do things the way we do, and always looking for efficiencies. And that was just an ingrained trait for me even as a young person, uh, probably growing up in an entrepreneurial family, being you know, around self-employment the whole time, always looking for better ways to do things. And so I would question sometimes the methodologies that were happening around us as we were, you know, going around in different uh, operations through the military. And uh, 
a great point that uh, that this this guy, his name is Major Rackley, and he told told me at one point. He said, you know, here's the thing, Michael. Learning, you know, getting experience in life, anywhere you go, whatever, no matter what you're trying to learn. He said, you have to think of it um, as as climbing mountain peaks. And you're only able to see what's in front of you. You're not able to see what someone who might be further down the road ahead of you can see because they've climbed more peaks at higher elevations. And this was specifically relevant to getting direction from, you know, we were getting direction from battalion, and of course you have brigade above that, and then division above that. So sometimes orders roll downhill, and at the level of battalion even, or maybe company level, which, you know, so at the battalion level, you know, you look at it and you think, man, that just doesn't make any sense. Why are we doing things that way? But you're not seeing it from the level maybe that the brigade commander is seeing it or that the division commander is seeing it. And, and all of those pieces, of the, the level that they're looking at it from, seem that they make sense, at least seem to make sense from their perspective. And, you know, that I call that peak-to-peak learning now. And here's the deal is that um, anytime you look into something new, maybe you're not really familiar with it, it points to the value of actually finding an expert that knows more than you do and understanding that it's time to step back and actually let that experience and that expertise become at least somewhat able to direct you in the right, right, the right, put you in the right direction, if that makes sense. Because um, all of us are experts at some, in, at some level in types of skills that we've developed over time, but we can't be experts in everything. And um, so many times there are people who have maybe climbed a certain peak to a higher elevation and happen to have a different perspective because of their level of experience. And, you know, that didn't, again, didn't make as much sense to me at 19 years old. Um, you know, you kind of are still railing against uh, some of that. But now, uh, here I am, you know, after 25 years in, in business, and you look back and you think, yeah, you know, that does actually make sense. And even today, I seek out people all the time who are experts at what they do because it makes my life easier um, to just um, trust that their expertise is coming from a perspective that will help me grow, and it will also help my business grow. And so mm. – I guess that's one of the really relevant things I pass on to people is if you're just getting started in your business or if you've really established you're 20 years down the road, um, always keep your mind open to people who may have more experience, even not necessarily age-wise, but in specific areas that you're trying to become better at because they just might be a little bit further down the road and maybe have you know, climbed to higher peaks in that particular expertise and can uh, pass on knowledge to you. Wow, that's great. Um, so that's interesting. So it's a great point in that – you know, we can't necessarily, you know, what's the old saying, can't see the forest through the trees. I mean, we're so nose down entrenched in our day-to-day business that, uh, uh, you know, sometimes it takes that outside force who can see, who's been to the other peaks, who's been through the valleys, you know, and so forth, that can bring that, that additional context, if you will, to yeah. where you're at in your current life exactly. right now. So yeah, I think exactly that's what right. you're, trying, you're trying to say. Yeah, and yeah. that actually relates well to, you know, the question I have around, you know, the, obviously social media, you know, uh, came on in a big way. I don't know, you know, what's it that been now, 10 years maybe? Um, mm-hmm. but, but obviously it's picked up a lot of steam in the last, you know, half a dozen years. Um, and so you've been in business 25 years. You've been in the mortgage space for, you know, a long time having owned your own brokerage. You were a mortgage loan officer. Um, in your perspective, looking back, on your experience of when you first started in the mortgage business as, you know, as a sales and marketing professional, what's happened or changed to the traditional sales model that if people don't understand it or get it today, they really need to get and understand the, the changes that have happened and are happening to the traditional way that we have conducted sales? 
Sure, yeah. You know, just going back and looking at um, the evolution of technology, and I'm going to be specific to the mortgage industry since we're obviously talking to mortgage loan officers right now. Um, you know, we had a fear when, when, di- when digital technology first erupted on the scene. Um, e-loan came out, you know, and we were, there was this big fear that, that online productivity was going to take over and eliminate loan officers' jobs, you know, and, and the reality is that that just never came about. Um, it, never, it never stopped the fact that uh, a mortgage is one of the most important and largest financial transactions that people will ever take on in their life, and at the end of the day, as human beings, we want to have connection with somebody who we can trust. And, you know, as much that's happened in technology and changed and, and has caused change, um, some of those, um, those, cons- those ideas or, or, or tendencies have stayed consistent as well. And I think that's a good thing, um, that uh, allows us to continue to function and add value in a way that technology can just never replace. And so what's changed, though, massively, what's really you know, rocked the world in terms of change is how our consumers, how our potential clients, customers, choose to educate themselves about the process in general. So not at the time they're going to decide who they're going to use to write the loan application, but it's how they go out and they, they access and ac- accumulate knowledge related to the idea of buying a home or refinancing a home um, that's really shifted and has created this necessity almost to have uh, easily accessible information available to people online. And at the end of the day, that's, what, that's what's really you know, shifted. I think what, you know, the use of that term paradigm shift, what's really changed the world of marketing is the level of access that people have literally packing around a supercomputer in their pocket and can access at any moment anything they want in the world. And, um, and, and, and so really what that points back to is each individual loan officer, in order to carve out their uh, you know, relevance in a local market, has to, at the same time that things offline are happening, like they get those traditional referrals, someone mentions their name in a conversation, which is exactly what we all want to have happen more often, that those are the things that turn into real good transactions that, that close and you end up with a commission check. Um, you know, at the end of the day, what consumers have been trained to do is pull up their phone, take a look on, uh, at that person, what they look like online, and they start making a decision of their professionalism based on what they can see. And that points to important things like third-party testimonial evidence, you know, high-quality design that gives a professional image, a good, you know, relevant content that, that makes them look like an expert in their space, but not just an expert in this, their space, also relatable to the average person. All of those things, um, and, and then stretching out social media is how do you connect with people? Well, we know in marketing, one very basic tenet of marketing is that uh, the hardest thing to do is to get a potential client to come to you. The easiest thing to do is reach out and get to them where they're already hanging out. And, and so all of those things are what has shifted. It's the way that people have chosen to receive communication uh, has changed. And we as a, as a group of salespeople, as, as, as a group of business owners, um, absolutely have to buy into the idea that we're going to make those tools available to people and then do a good job of communicating on a consistent basis, uh, which drives top of mind awareness. At the end of the day, that's what builds trust and credibility. And and that, by the way, all you know. Interestingly enough, I mean, I guess my own benefit relates back to the idea of content marketing and blogging as a structure in order to be able to make that happen. Yeah, and so that's a, a good question: is if we can clarify, you know, why a blog and or what's the difference between a blog and a website? Then how do they fit into our overall strategy? that aligns with what you just described, right, as, as how people now seek you out. 
Right, right. So, you know, why a blog? Well, you know, a blog really is, is a type of website. It started out just as kind of single-page websites way back when they first came out. And it was a way for the average person to publish online, to be able to easily publish information online without having to know programming languages like HTML. And then obviously we transitioned to things like database-driven websites, PHP and MySQL, and all that kind of crazy stuff that most loan officers absolutely have no interest in. But blogging became a simple little way to be able to go out and actually self-publish content on the web um, that was as easy as maybe working with Microsoft Word. And um, the difference of what has has evolved, though, and it is, it's, a, it's bigger than just that, because what happened is that the the, the internet changed a little uh, around 10 years ago into this whole world that we now call Web 2.0. And a lot of times people wonder, what does that Web 2.0 mean? Well, Web 2.0, the 2 in 2.0 means it's two-way communication. It means that the web transitioned from what was much more of a billboard environment where companies could put up whatever they wanted. It was a one-way conversation of whatever a company wanted to say about themselves or an individual wanted to say about themselves, and it just blasted that out to the world. It was much more of a – the people couldn't actually participate in the conversation. Well, Web 2.0 came about when we started to understand with the web, it created opportunities to get feedback from people, and that's things like – Amazon really took advantage of this early on by being able to track what people did and then make suggestions based on what people that were looking at a particular product would also be interested in. They were also able to use ratings and reviews to share with us what third-party you know, third evidence of what average people thought about a product. And I call that the democratization of advertising because it really took power away from companies in, in, in the, the sole uh, ability to, to tell people what their product was like or their service was like, and it really put it back in the hands of the consumer. And that started this two-way conversation happening. And again, the, the difference of blogging or blogs basically, uh, especially companies like WordPress, which is the fastest growing uh, website development platform in the world, um, it, it coincided with this, uh, this idea of two-way communication and allowed average people to get information out uh, to the web. Now, here's what's important is that, that whole two-way communication piece happened at the exact same time. It was birthed at the exact same time that social media also erupted on the scene and gave people this opportunity to create connections with each other and communicate individually, irrespective of large companies that have massive, massive budgets to put big technology together. So all of that stuff working together now, again, this has been happening over the course of 10 years, has now ingrained the idea that, uh, that content is a good way to be able to get to know people uh, uh, online as a way to be able to start the process of, of building a relationship. And so, again, when we get back to why, why have a blog, well, it's just the easiest way to be able to, again, publish content. And here's the good news is you don't actually have to write the content and publish it yourself. It's a good way to be able to share content, but most importantly is it's the only type of platform that can effectively distribute content from that site, from that, one, that, that center of the hub, uh, out to all of these different environments, things like Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and YouTube and uh, Google+, uh, just lots of different social networks, you can actually distribute content or work in tandem with your blog so you have one point of entry and be able to distribute stuff, stuff through a lot of different networks. And that, of course, is where those folks are hanging out. So the reason that you have a blog is it's a single point of communication. It uses the opportunity to get that communication into the, onto the web. More importantly, it automatically distributes that content out where your potential clients, potential customers, and your current sphere of influence are hanging out and they're willing and interested in receiving communication from you. Hmm. Wow. That's, that's a great answer, man. I think, uh, you know, the, the one – well, let me ask you this as well because I, I get what you're saying, and, I, and, and obviously um, – 
I think still what lingers is this, okay, so I understand a blog, you know, it connects me on social media, allows me to have that two-way communication. It's a way for me to share and distribute content. But did, so does that then mean I don't need a website? Because uh, I still have like, you know, my company website. It's got a link to me on there. So I should have something like completely separate or on my own that allows me to do all those things you just said. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, here's the th- yeah. Here's the thing: is most most company websites, and for the right reasons, are built on old technology, and and they're built on the old technology because there's a purpose for it. In other words, those traditionally built websites that are database driven websites, using things like PHP and MySQL to be able to to grow them and scale those websites, um, there's a purpose for it. You can you can replicate easily replicate a lot of really I call it you can put a million dollars worth of technology and functionality into a website platform, and then you can replicate it for thousands of people at virtually zero cost by using that type of structure. So there's a purpose for doing those types of things, and that's why companies generally gravitate towards those types of websites. Um, now, here's the problem is those types of websites, and this gets right down to the ones and zeros of programming, is those types of website, website platforms simply don't have the ability to do what we're talking about in terms of distribution of content that, com- that sites like WordPress do. And, and the reason is that the WordPress, again, evolved. It was created and has evolved in combination with social networks. So it was built in order to interact. There is no bridge between the two. There, there's no right. – like physically, they're just separate. So here's the best application is you have to see what's the purpose of the technology that I'm using. And, and the purpose of, of blogging and content marketing is really considered outbound. It's pushing content out to the world, getting information out to people and distributing it in a way that's easily for, easy for them to access in a way that they choose to receive communication. There's a real specific purpose there. It's almost like how we used to mail newsletters, right, to the postal service every month out to our client base. The same thing is happening with blogging and content marketing, especially distributed through social media. So there's a very specific purpose for it. That doesn't mean that you can't cross-link a blog website built on the right foundation like WordPress over to your main website and link the functionality together so it's kind of a seamless interface for the consumer once they're on your site. It's easy to do that. Um, and, and there's good reasons to continue to keep your company website because of all that secure technology, like an online loan application, which is an industry in and of itself, trying to keep up with the changes there and make sure that everything is secure. Um, most companies that focus in one area or the other, they don't want to try to be everything to everybody. It's just too difficult. So it's a good idea to keep that company website, use the functionality that's available there, and just cross-link the two together. But you really look at your content marketing strategy as its own kind of standalone silo. It's, there's a purpose for it. And here's the good news is I always tell people on the web, it's not either or, it's and more. The reality is the more indexable sites that you have, I mean, to a certain re- to reasonableness, right? You don't want to overdo it here. But it, it, there's no downside to having two different websites on the Internet as long as they're both well done, have content that's relevant and interesting, and won't run people off once they hit the site. So, uh, you know, like I said, it, it isn't really either or and more. And you really have to step back and say, what's the purpose of the tools that I'm using? And let's make sure that I'm investing in the right, right type of tool in order to, to execute. Um, and so hopefully that answers clearly enough. But really keeping yeah. both is, is probably the best strategy. No, it's a great answer. And I, and I pressed you a little bit on that just because I know some people still struggle with that answer. So, so very well done. Um, which, which, you know, leads us to the, the, the next um, discussion and observation I'm sure you have that I've seen out there, and I know uh, more, many mortgage originators are still on the fence about or maybe have done, have dipped their toe in the pool. But essentially, you know, why don't more loan officers use blogging, uh, you know, or integrate the various 
you know, two uh, platforms we've talked about, social media, you know, Facebook, et cetera. So what, what do you see as the most common challenges or reasons why, objections, if you will, uh, more loan officers aren't really taking advantage of the, this type of platform? Sure, sure. You know, we obviously we, we've obviously talked had this conversation with thousands of people all across the country, and, and so you know we have a pretty good idea why most people don't, and it really comes down to three things. Uh, I'm going to go through those uh, those three with you real quick. The first the first one is softly darn expensive in most cases. You start look, going out and trying to find a, a developer to build a, a full WordPress based website, and I'm talking to a real developer that actually develops a product that works and it, it's designed well, you know, so it makes you look like a professional. You know, it's, it's it can be thousands of dollars too. $3,000 would not be uncommon uh, to spend just to get a site built. And the big problem is once it's built, and even if you're willing to write the check, they hand it off to you and then it's left to you to actually you know, go through the process of, of maintaining it. So maintaining the website, taking care of all the security it, it, you know, stuff, updates, the, the platform updates, and then you get into things of who's going to write the content and when is it going to be written and who's going to upload it and who's editing it to make it look professional. And then you know, doing all the social media stuff as well. So both it's expensive in, time, in money when you first get started but then it also becomes expensive in time when you're trying to maintain it, and, and it competes with all the other more important things that you need to do on a daily basis in order to keep those loans moving through the pipeline and deliver you know, world-class service to your clients. So it becomes this, 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 uh, it, it, this expensive factor that, that runs a lot of people off from the very beginning. Um, the, the second thing it, it, it links to it, it and I mentioned it, is it's time-consuming. If you try to do all this yourself, if you were going to try to learn how to build these things yourself, you're going to sit down and write content yourself, that becomes a real – it sucks up a lot of your time. And I think a lot of people just aren't willing to spend that kind of time to be able to, to do this because uh, it, it's not like a typical advertising format where you can say, hey, I'm going to spend X dollars, I'm going to spend X money, and you get a certain number of leads based on dollar spent. Um, and I, this is one thing, maybe we can get a little deeper into this. You really have to reformat the, the, the idea of why you're doing this in the first place and what success looks like when you're doing it. So it's hard for people to like get a tangible um, concrete idea in their mind of, of what the investment should be and how much time or money they should spend. And then the last piece, the third thing is it's just too darn difficult for a lot of people. A lot of us who are in the sales industry, um, we're drawn to that because we like interactions with people. Um, we like conversations. We like helping people through a process. Um, and, and a lot of times we don't like sitting on a computer, banging on a keyboard at 2 o'clock in the morning, not being able to figure something out. I always call that the 2 a.m. bang your head against this, the, the, the screen moments. You know? And uh, for any of us that have tried into technology, we all know, you know, know those moments and how frustrating they are. So uh, it's just it's it's technical in nature, and it's not something that we really focus on. And that really pointed to the opportunity. Honestly, when I started the company, it came out of a high-level co- consulting conversation with a very high producer uh, down in Texas. And, um, you know, he was trying to find a way to reach these folks. He saw an opportunity there, but he was doing that. He was trying to build his own technology and trying to coordinate graphic design and do all this stuff. And quite frankly, he was fed up. You know, he was just tired of it. He saw the opportunity, but he was about ready to give up. And uh, because of my experience both in the industry and with technology, we talked about it, and I said, I think we can build a solution. And we did, and we launched it, and it ended up – we saw it work, and so it ended up uh, creating a company. And you know, I think that happens more often not, than not is companies are created based on there's a void in the market. There's something that needs to be filled, and it really answered those issues of uh, being a low-cost way to be able to get started and have something that really looked great and performed. Um, mm-hmm. requiring zero time investment at all. And then also, though, you know, not having that, that technical difficulty factor because we just do it all, all four people. That's not, not trying to have a commercial there. I'm just saying that um, <laughs> those are the three main things uh, that, that happen. And the, the last one to segue 
um, I mentioned is is this issue of framing what success looks like. And right. so I don't know if you want me to go any deeper in that or not, but yeah, that, that, fact, I would add gonna, that as, as actually a really critical factor. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you that. That was a nice nugget. I was going to ask you, you know, you talk about framing your success it's, and also, you know, what what expectations should someone have if they are, you know, deciding to, to launch a blog? Sure. So here's the thing is that I get this question all the time. So, in fact, I was just talking to someone this morning about it, and, and they say, you know, if I invest in this, how long will it be until my site, till I get to the top rank, you know, search engine uh, rankings? Or, uh, you know, how long do I have to wait until I get leads in the door that are going to be able to close? And, and, and so my standard answer on that is that, um, it, you know, there are, there are strategies in online marketing that you can definitely go through. Search engine optimization is one of them, getting to the top of the search engines. Uh, things like um, doing online lead generation that's purely simply online. But here's Here's the reality of it. In statistics proven this over the years, over 75% of all transactions nationwide are done through repeat and referral business. That's the sphere of influence marketing. Getting the soldiers in your local market out talking about you in their offline conversations. That's what's, that's what's happened historically in the past. It's what's happening today, and it will happen it continuing in the future. Less than 10% of all transactions close from purely online-generated leads. And so there isn't a huge market of those that are available. Uh, they're very expensive to get to. It's like fishing in a very small pond. And um, not taking advantage of the very big pond. Now, here's the challenge. I'm in online marketing and, and online media industry. So it sounds kind of counterintuitive that I'd be telling people that, hey, online marketing, purely online marketing is really not the right strategy. And the reason I'm saying that is that, that it's not framing the conversation correctly because the best application of your online marketing strategy really is to support and amplify what you already know works offline, at least at the beginning level, right? So when you're first framing, when you're first building like what your initial strategy is going to be, you have to look at it and say, when I look at my business, I'm already successful in the industry. I'm already doing a certain number of transactions a month, and I simply want to grow that or I want to maintain my position or, or continue to grow my business. You say, well, how, do, how is my current business happening? And if you're honest with yourself, you're going to look at it and you say, the last seven out of ten transactions came from a referral, referral or repeat business, or it was, I was at a networking event and met somebody. It was a relationship that caused that deal to happen. And so when we look at how we how you use blogging uh, and, and marketing online, uh, at least a, a foundational uh, strategy, would be how do we then get that, that to happen more often. And, and the way that, that you do that is exposure. It's building top-of-mind awareness with both your current sphere of influence as well as then expanding that and growing your audience. We call that building local celebrity. And you do it by being present in the, in the areas that people are already spending their time and paying attention. So that's things like why Facebook becomes important because it really still is the 900-pound gorilla in the social space. And there are great ways to be able to get inexpensive traction and a lot of traffic using things like simple Facebook ads once you have a content marketing strategy put in place that's happening and you get to leverage, uh, leverage all of that. And the good news is all of that relates back to continue to deepen relationships with people and continue to, by creating that top-of-mind awareness is what ends up having them when they go to work and they hear someone that needs to buy, sell, or refinance a house, your name comes up with them in that conversation, and that's what causes your phone to ring. So at the end of the day, it's kind of circular in nature, but what the best evidence that your online marketing strategy is working, especially in the content marketing space or social media marketing space, is that you end up hearing offline about it. 
<laughs> you end up hearing people saying, man, Jeff, I don't know what you've been doing, but I see you all the time. I see you everywhere. You know, you're, you're in my Facebook news feed. I, I, I see you in, on LinkedIn. You have updates. You know, um, you, I get your email newsletter uh, that can, by the way, automatically be tied to your blog and send out great quality content consistently and do it completely automatically. So th- that's the best indication that your online and social media marketing is working. And here's the thing. When you look at the difference, if you were going to spend if – if someone was to come to me and say, hey, uh, I want to run a, an online lead generation campaign. I want to build full online sales funnels in order to do that. And by the way, the reason that we know how to do that, this is a large way of how we market my smart block. So I've become an expert over the last five years in, run, in running these online sales funnels. But if someone were to come to me and say, I want to run in a mortgage industry, I want to run online sales funnels, or I want to get to the top of the search engines, we'd be talking about a budget of thousands of dollars a month. And I'm not talking one or two. I'm talking three, four, five, ten thousand $10,000 a month in order for me to tell them that we can effectively build that system and then run enough traffic through it to get leads that end up at the end of the day uh, converting into sales. And by the way, there's also an incubation factor on that of anywhere from 6 to 12 months. So you have to be spending that budget every month for 6 to 12 months before you really start to see tangible evidence of success. You can compare that with literally spending a couple hundred dollars a month in a budget on a good quality content marketing strategy uh, in addition to running maybe $100 or $200 a month worth of Facebook ads, get really high-quality, uh, targeted, focused traffic coming through, absorbing good-quality content, which builds a relationship with them, and start to elevate those offline conversations, which can turn into transactions right away. Um, you can run that campaign for years, a couple of years, and even in most places in the country, on one transaction after a couple of years of doing that kind of exposure, uh, you know, it will either have paid for itself or likely doubled the investment uh, over that entire time. And by the way, you've covered the base that you know needs to happen anyway. You don't want to do it yourself, and you can just outsource and automate the process. So it's really framing that of just understanding that the best, again, the best evidence of success of your online marketing is really hearing about it offline. Uh, if you start hearing back that people are seeing you and, and you're getting uh, people saying that they, they, they're seeing your content out there, that you know your systems are working. Yeah, that's a great point and a great kind of summary of, of the big picture overall strategy because it's really multiple things are happening simultaneously there. Um, you know, one of the things that is clearly you're pointing out in your offline strategy is you've got to make sure that you are uh, driving awareness for your online presence when you are uh, engaged offline, networking, meeting with agents face-to-face, past database, lunch, coffee, whatever it is, out at a party you know, on your business card, whatever it is that you're using, you know, as, a, as kind of a, a leave behind or um, obviously in your talk track, right, directing people to your online presence, your blog, your Facebook site, whatever it is. The cool thing about a blog is, as you referred to earlier, it's really, you know, kind of the, the hub of everything and it's a single point of destination that you can drive people to that connects them to all those other ancillary properties like Facebook, for example, um, so that, you know, you can connect and engage uh, in, in a deep way there versus just a static website, which really doesn't offer much engagement. Um, yeah, so you know, I'm lot, gonna, real quick, that, that uh, let, me, let me branch off. I just want to mention one thing, because I've mentioned this to clients before, too, and it's just something that's important, especially, you know, you never know, know who's going to hear this. But, you know, 
long time ago. So I was a member of Lone Toolbox when it first came out. Tim Brigham and those guys did such a great job putting that together. And, um, you know, there was a perfect loan process. I don't know if you remember that, but um, I'm sure uh-huh. you do, actually. But uh, it was like this educational thing, and there was like the page five of the 1003 at the time, you know, where it was, um, right. you, you know, there's a set of questions that you'd take people through to deepen your relationship with them at the point of application. Let me tell you something that a lot of people ask us, you know, how do I leverage t- social media more? I don't really don't want to have to participate in it that much. I see it as a distraction. But how do I do it? The, the point is when you have someone sitting there at your desk and they're taking a loan application, or if it's just even a pre-approval call, a great way is to develop a script where you start to engage people in, the, in social media and link, linking up with them in some way right at that point of first contact. So if, if I'm sitting there with someone at my desk and I have an email newsletter program put in place, then um, I'm immediately as part of my talk track, like you just said, at the end going to say, hey, a great way for us to stay in touch in a way that I deliver great quality content over time is to my email newsletter. How about we just get you signed up for that right now? And you actually go to your website and fill it out with them sitting there. and op- you know, they're, they're now signed up. Same way as like if you if you're worried about people enough people liking your uh, Facebook page while you're at application have them pull out their phone pull up Facebook because you know that it's on there have them go directly to your Facebook business page and like the page right there in addition to sending out right after that uh, application send out a LinkedIn connection request if they're on LinkedIn and get connected here's the reason why is once you have those connections in place people rarely disengage they rarely stop those connections and. The beauty about content marketing and social media and dripping content over time, the same way, again, going back to the newsletter, mailed newsletter, which was far and away over 15 years, the most effective advertising marketing that I ever did because I did it consistently. Um, if you simply put those linkages in place and then you have a strategy that automatically drips content through those uh, networks on a consistent basis, people generally will never disengage. And you'll have another way, another avenue to stay in front of them consistently. But you have to take action. You have to actually have – we can – even us as a company, we'll automate the, 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 the entire process on the back end. But what we can't, we can't change is there has to be a level of execution on the front end which continues to grow that database, grow that sphere of influence, because the larger that sphere of influence is and the more consistently you communicate with them, develop that top-of-mind awareness and build credibility over time, the more effective all of those advocates in the marketplace are going to become. And, and that, I just want to make that point that as a takeaway, if you do nothing else – if you have your Facebook page and LinkedIn profile set up, and you, even if you don't want to set up a blog and get started with that, at least start connecting with people through these social channels and figure out a way to consistently develop content or get content or information out and be updating people through those networks. It's just incredibly powerful. There's no additional cost. It's not like licking and sticking a stamp anymore. you know. And um, it is the way that 9 out of 10 people are choosing to receive communication these days. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a great point. Um, and uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned the the, the mail newsletter. Uh, I know there's people still out there doing hard copy newsletters, and it's I think it's like you said, it's, it's the what's the preference for how they receive communication? Oh, one thing I wanted to point out too, we talk about success metric uh, and how do you measure success in social media? And you know, like you said, some people look at it as noise and distraction or whatever. And the other thing I see people do is you know they get all down and bummed out if they you know if they don't get a bunch of likes on their page, or whatever. And, we should probably at some point circle back and do a, a, a class just on Facebook itself because there are some strategies 
for getting you know top of mind exposure in Facebook. Um, it may it may not be just having a static page, right? There's other things that we can do, um, yep. such as running very expensive targeted ads that come up in the feeds. But I would just say, and I'm sure you would agree to this as well. You you know as far as success metric, don't judge your success based on if you're talking about Facebook specifically, you know how many likes you're getting or whatever, because that's not the success metric. The success success metric is right um, having that online presence, that destination, so that you can a stay engaged right through relevant content and all that, but b right um, just, just know that you're in that stream of of awareness, if you will, uh, where most of the people are um, living and searching online today. So you can be top of mind when um, you know mortgage related stuff comes up for them, or they know somebody at work, friend, relative. If you're not in if you're not, you know, oh, if people don't know you exist, you're that old thing we call secret agents, right? So remember yeah. when I was teaching classes to real estate agents, this real estate agent trainer one of the times asked this question. He goes, what's, what's better, to be well-known or to be worth knowing in your business? And it's the, the right answer is both. Obviously, you want to be a quality individual and be worth knowing, but the truth of the matter is, um, you got to be well known, like you said. I, I see you everywhere, right? You're in my Facebook feed. You got your newsletter. Uh, you're on the LinkedIn profile, so on and so forth. So if if you're not, you know, if if you're not, if people don't know you exist, then how can they ever? How can you ever be top of mind when it comes to right getting mortgage referrals, etc. Exactly. Yeah. No. That's that's such a great point. Um, you know, it's it, it is. Yeah, so all right, so we're almost out of time here. I know you're busy. You've got another appointment stacked up. Um, I want to kind of close it out because this was obviously a class in and of itself. So thank you very much for sharing. I guess one of the things I think about is, you know, you as an entrepreneur, you're busy, obviously, managing a lot of different things, spinning a lot of different plates. What is for you, how do you manage uh, you know, because we've talked about this with, uh, with loan officers, right? It's like they, you know, they don't do social media because they've got too many other things on their plate to do, loan closings, funding, et cetera. What, what's a productivity tool or a habit or a daily ritual that you use consistently that, ha- that has a big impact on your daily pro- productivity? Well, I tell How you, you, get you know, crap done, Michael. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, luckily, I have a good team of people. Is is uh, is uh, it's one of the things that uh, that helps support uh, me on a daily basis. But um, you know, here's the thing: is I've you know, as I built this company over time, I really focus on. And by the way, it's the co- the core of my smart blog is automation and efficiency. And we use tools like Infusionsoft, and if I know you, you're familiar with Infusionsoft, um, as a tool that runs our entire business. And lots of the stuff that you would normally require additional bodies, uh, we actually are able to automate processes that do the work for us through technology. Um, and and, I've, and that I think has probably uh, going. There's two things. Number one is. Uh, I go back to what has been consistent through my, the entire process of, of my career, 25 years of the different things that I've done, and that's simply I show up. You know, so many times, you know, people would, you know, in the, in the mortgage industry, hiring and training loan officers, sometimes it's a revolving door, and or, or you know, you see people come in and out of the industry, and they want to go play golf midweek, and they want to, you know, do have fun and do all this different stuff. And, you know, I was always that guy that was just steady Eddie. You know, he just show up to work every day. <laughs> you know, treat it like a real job. And, um, and and not to say that you shouldn't have fun and free up some time to go do. There's some time flexibility that comes with doing a great job and building the right type of business with a great foundation. Um, but showing up has been critical for me. That's just the one thing that I've always have done well was being able, being willing to go through and, and 
be there every day and solve problems and help people get through their problems and, and, uh, and do the work. But the other thing that's most important, I think, even, you know, well, it's not most important, it goes hand in hand with that, is if you really want to be able to achieve a high level of success, you have to focus on the highest and best use of your time. And for me, I'm an innovator. So I look for gaps in the market and I try to find solutions for those. And then I, do, I try to figure out the best way to tell that story. Now, Getting in and punching the keyboards, although I did that at the beginning of the company, I had to because there was no one else. I couldn't pay anyone to do it. Um, so I had to do it initially, but then it's understanding that you have to get other people to do the things that aren't in the highest and best use of your time so that you can continue to focus on what those really high-dollar activities are and then, and then execute only on those things if possible. It's not to say that sometimes you have to wear multiple hats and things change, but you really want to focus on that. And so the number one way, by the way, that you can do that, even better than hiring great people, is finding tools, especially technology tools, that will streamline and automate processes that are repeatable. And if you get what I'm saying there, it's the number one thing that can lead you to, to literally growing a multi-million dollar company, even if that's a, a multi-million dollar brokerage or multi-million dollar uh, production you know, pipeline in your mortgage business. But you really have to find out what are the most important things that have to happen on a consistent basis, and then what types of tools can I use that eliminate the failure point of a human being have to interact with it. And um, that, that, of course, is, is one of the, the basic tenets of our business is what we provide to our clients, but it's also what we do internally. We say what things are going to happen on a consistent basis and how can we put a process in place so that it will happen exactly the same every single time and no one has to actually physically get involved with it. Um, if, if, if that works, you know, and again, for us, we use a software called FusionSoft that does that. Um, we have other tools like scheduling tools that we use that tie together with our calen calendaring applications um, and allow someone, for instance, to go to our website and schedule a demo. They can just pick a time that works on their calendar, automatically syncs up with our calendars, and, uh, and, and locks it in for somebody. So um, using tools uh, like that, technology tools to uh, drive productivity is, is, I think, the most important thing. Okay. Great. And uh, before we close it out, how do people find you if they wanted to learn more information about my smart blog and you know look into potentially blogging? Yeah, well, the best thing, I think, go to MySmartBlog.com. It's our website, um, and we've got a ton of information there. It's available to you, lots of testimonials we, we use. We really believe in that third-party testimonial evidence, ratings and reviews. Um, you know, we have audio testimonials and video testimonials there. So um, lots of ways to be able to hear what other people are saying about their experience with our company. Um, and, and then, of course, there is the opportunity right on the website. Just, just click a button to schedule a demo. We'll be happy to get someone on a, online with you and do a screen share and uh, get all your questions answered of how this can help you grow your re repeat and referral business as well. Awesome. Well, uh, as you know, my intent here with Mortgage Marketing Radio is to provide direction, to provide uh, you know, access to tools and resources that I personally have vetted out uh, that I believe do make a difference, are authentic, and are worth you know, taking a further look at. So not only do you provide one of those tools in my smart blog, but you also provide, as I think uh, everybody's heard today, tons of education and, and, and context around, you know, is this the right tool uh, to execute in, in my individual business as a mortgage professional? So um, if, if anybody wants to find out more about Michael, obviously you now know how to do that, my smart blog. So um, thanks, Michael, for making time. I know you're busy. Um, and uh, as I said, we'll probably uh, circle back in the near future if we get enough people uh, letting me know they want an extended Facebook class or something like that. 
Yeah, you know, I'd love to do it. Uh, obviously, you, you and I have talked about this before, but, um, yeah, very inexpensive ways to be able to get very targeted local traffic that's uh, segmented correctly. And uh, it's, a, it's really still the biggest opportunity out there for uh, for people to take advantage of um, even today. So I'd love to do it. If people are interested, uh, let Jeff know, and I'd be happy to come on and share some of the things we've found over the last few years. You bet. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to Mortgage Marketing Radio, and we'll see you on the next one. Make today a great day. Bye for now.